Anyway, it's so good to be with you, Hope Church. Um, all at Kings uh, send their greetings, they send their love to you. I was saying I'd much rather be here in person. Well, no, I'd rather you were here in person with me um, in the building, but, but Zoom's still pretty good. And uh, we count our blessings um, in that anyway. Um, I hope you've been able to navigate your way through lockdown okay. Um, can you believe it? 12 months of this. I mean, who would have thought back in March 2020, if, if someone had said to you, um, you probably wouldn't have been um, in the building for, for 12 months or, or been able to meet together, we'd have said, no, that, that can't be true. Um, that can't be the case. Um, I, I guess, in a sense, it has been a bit of a once-in-a-generation um, experience. And I, I'd love to share today um, on, on a particular thing that I think God's been taking me on a journey with personally probably over the last three or four years. It's something that he's brought, brought me back to on a number um, of occasions. And I have been so encouraged in the worship this morning, just the way the contributions have gone. We've been sharing out of Psalms, um, just, uh, just spot on for what I want to be sharing um, out of Hebrews chapter 13. Um, God's grace is available. I want to reinforce that. I really believe that this, this word today will be a word, hopefully, that brings God's grace um, into us. Uh, my eyesight's going, so I'm now looking to try and see my notes, um, what, what else there was there. Um, and that God proves his love to us through the cross. And again, just, just that sense, he, he really, really does. He cannot do any more to demonstrate his great love for you personally you individually than what he's already done um, on the cross and so even in the midst of lockdown even in the midst of maybe some of the struggles that you are facing personally um, God loves you he's totally totally for you um, I know within my congregation um, at, at, at home um, that there are many many different individual stories of what's been going on uh, whether it's people who've lost their jobs whether it's people struggling and navigating through the stress of homeschooling, uh, whether it's uh, people just having their confidence knocked, maybe, maybe handling disappointment, disappointment with life, disappointment with how things have been going, maybe, maybe bereavement. Maybe through this COVID crisis, you've lost someone that was ever so dear to you and, and your heart at the moment feels broken. Or maybe, maybe it's sort of been all right. You know, it's not been the best, but, but you've got through okay. Well, today we're going to be looking at an account from David's life. We're going to be looking at an instance where David strengthened himself in God. And that really is the subject that we're going to be looking at together. Now, we know that David was a worshipper. Um, he was a man after God's own heart. He served God's purpose in his own generation. But we also know that David went through some dark times. He was a man just like us. He was flesh and blood, a real person with real problems and difficulties. And we're going to look at one particular instance where, where, where David really did struggle. The, the circumstances were, were pretty awful, to be quite honest. Um, and how did he handle it? How did he navigate his way through it? So if you've got your Bibles at home, why don't you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to be turning there um, in a moment. At this point in time, David was a king in waiting. He was God's chosen man. 
Um, he'd had numerous close shaves with Saul, who was the existing um, king. And he got to the point where he thought, look, if I remain in Israelite territory, um, in, in, in the place where I live, I'm going to get caught by Saul. I'm going to get myself in big problem. So he decided that he was going to leave Israelite territory and go to Philistine territory, who were the Israelites' mortal enemies. So he crossed the border and he came under the protection of the king of Gath. Um, he and not just him, his, his family and also 600 men who were with him and their families as well. They all went to Philistine territory for protection. And he stayed for a year and four months in a town called Ziklag. Towards the end of that time, um, the Philistines marched out to attack the Israelites. And the Israelites drew up lines, and the Philistines drew up lines. And David found himself in this uncomfortable situation of being on the Philistine side of the battle. But when the other Philistine rulers realized that David was there, they, they said, no, you can't stay here. What happens if you turn against us? So they sent him and his men back to Ziklag because they, they didn't want to be attacked from behind. So let's pick up the story in 1 Samuel, Samuel chapter 30. Now, when David and his men came to, Ziklag, um, came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them all off and went on their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, their wives, sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. We're not, we're not going to go into the whole thing of David having two wives. We're not going there this morning. Um, but David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, pursue, for you will surely overtake them. You will surely rescue so David sent out with 600 men who were with him. And they came to the brook of Bessor, where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and 400 men. 200 stayed behind, who were too exhausted to cross the brook of Bessor. Then we're going to move on to verse uh, 16. Um, they found uh, an Egyptian slave who's been left by the Amalekites, and he leads them down to where the Amalekites are camping. And when he had taken them down, behold, there spread abroad all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David struck them down from twilight until evening of the next day. And not a man of them escaped except for 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. David recovered all the Amalekites had taken and David rescued his wives. Nothing was missing whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. David also captured all the flocks and the herds, and the people drove the livestock before him and said, this is David's spoil. Brilliant. I'm just going to briefly pray, and then we're going to dive in and see what we can learn about how David strengthened himself in God. 
Holy Spirit, I just want to invite you to come. I thank you for your presence as we worshipped. And I ask Holy Spirit right now, in living rooms, in kitchens, wherever it is people are watching right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd come and fill us to overflowing. I pray, would you enliven our, our minds? Would you soften our hearts? I pray for seeds of faith to be planted. Maybe, maybe where our hearts have just, just feel absolutely broken. You think there's no room for faith in there at the moment. I, I ask for the seed of faith to be planted. I pray the God of all compassion, would you come ever so close right now, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. This is an account where we see David at an all-time low. He lost everything. His family, his possessions, anything that could be carried away was taken away in a moment. And anything that couldn't be taken away got burned to the ground. I guess it's a little bit like the story of Job where where Job was really prospering and then in a moment it all disappeared. He pretty much escaped with his life. And it, and it wasn't just David, it was 600 men who were with him as well. David must have been massively disappointed. And it's interesting to just slow down for a moment and just see what it says in the passage that we're reading because we can jump on to the certain bits that we really, really like and miss some bits that maybe, I don't know, just don't resonate with us so much. As I said, David and his men really struggled. It says in verse 4 that they wept until they had no more strength to weep. They, they cried themselves to exhaustion. I, I can only remember really one instance where I might have got close to that. And that was when my dad unexpectedly died in a motorbike accident. Um, just that sort of gut-wrenching, crying, um, just, just gutted. This isn't an ungodly response. It's not one due to a lack of faith. It reflects something of how we're made. When we suffer loss, we, we grieve. That's, that's, that's how we're designed by God to handle the loss that we feel. And in fact, not to grieve or delay grief can be, can be incredibly un, unhealthy. It can seep out in other ways. It can affect our mental health. It's, it's not good. And so I, I suppose I just want to, it's, it's just there in the passage, but you know what? When we suffer loss to grieve, that's right, that's good. That's how God designed us to be. And it says that David was greatly distressed in verse 6. It says of his men that they were bitter in soul and spoke about stoning him. They, they were incredibly discontented with what had gone on. And, and, and they blamed David for it. I mean, these are 600 men who were warriors. They were killers. And so when they talk about stoning someone... You know, take it seriously because they'd have done it before. So on top of the personal loss that David felt, he also felt responsible for the corporate loss as well. So after he had wept himself to exhaustion, how did he process the grief? How did he handle disappointment? 
How did he handle anxiety, fear? We're not told exactly what was going on in David, but I imagine some of those things were there because he's a human just like me, just like you. It says in verse 6 that David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. But it's interesting, his men, they didn't. They, they ended up in bitterness of soul. And so it's just interesting. They both walked through this incredibly dark valley of grief and, and, and various different emotions that go with it. But as David started to find a way out of this valley, he was looking to strengthen himself in God. For his men, they ended up with a sort of sense of bitterness, something that I guess rotted the heart. It, it, it did something negative within. David connected with his emotions but, but, and, and gave them space, but, but he wasn't ruled by them. And so what he did as he strengthened himself in God is he lined himself up with God. He ordered his private world in order that he could handle his outer world well. He didn't just rush off and try and fix it. I mean, if it had been me and my whole family had been taken away, I'd have, I don't know, be on my horse or my camel or whatever it would be, off after him to try and find. But, but David didn't do that. He grieved, he wept, then he strengthened himself in God. What a battle David was facing. In actual fact, as I say, he was facing two battles. There was an external battle to get his family back, to get his possessions back. And, and he had the concern of the 600 men as well, in a sense to sort out his outer world, if I can put it that way. But there was also an internal battle going on. Something that had completely rocked his inside world. Like I say, was it hopelessness, bitterness of soul? It would want to run wild in his heart, but he wasn't going to allow it. He wasn't going to give it space. Often when, when things get tough, I forget that there are two battles to fight. I can be so keen to change my external circumstances that I forget that God can also use these things to grow me, to mature me, to help me to grow strong. If I'm not careful, I can see external change happen, external circumstances change, which is absolutely brilliant, and that is, that is wonderful. And often is the case, that's what we really, really want. But actually, if we're not careful, we remain unchanged on the inside. Maybe we haven't learned how to handle disappointment, grief, or anger in a healthy way. Just want to share a, a personal story with you. Back in the spring of 2017, a, a close friend of mine back in Hastings was diagnosed with cancer. For 18 months, he fought the cancer. He had treatment. We prayed in faith. We fasted. We looked to God. If I'm honest, at moments, I thought we'd seen breakthrough and that healing was imminent. But, on lunch, but at lunchtime on Thursday, the 6th of September, 2019, he left this life to be with Jesus. The cancer had won. We'd lost the battle. But he wasn't only fighting a battle with cancer. He was fighting a battle every day with unbelief. One to trust God. One for faith and love. An internal battle. 
which affected so much of the external as well. I can remember chatting with him. I hadn't spoken to him for a little while. And things with the cancer were difficult. And I asked him, how are you doing? Probably in hindsight, wasn't a very good question, if I'm honest, to ask. But, But he answered me, he said, my body is weak because of the effect the cancer was having. But my soul is well. He lost the battle with cancer, but day by day, with each new trial, he strengthened himself in God. Now, it's difficult when we read 1 Samuel chapter 30 and we're reading about David, we we see that David strengthened himself in God, so he won the internal battle, and hey, he won the external battle as well. He got his family back and all of his men's, men's wives and families back and possessions. Well, hey, we get, we get it all. But, but that isn't always the case, is it? Sometimes the external circumstances don't change. And we're, we're left looking to strengthen ourselves in God day by day in the midst of the difficulties. I, I wonder, maybe it was... What the Apostle Paul went through, where he said, I've got that thorn in the flesh, but his grace is sufficient for me. His power is made perfect um, in weakness. David went from a place where he, he, he wept until he had no more strength to a point where he was able to lead himself and his men. David went from a place of probable inner turmoil to a place where he led change in the external world. We don't exactly know what he did because it doesn't say it in this passage. But he was suitably strengthening God that even when 200 of his men said, no, we're too exhausted, we can't go any further. He he was able to handle that and continue on with the 400. I don't know about you, but if I'd been through everything he'd been through, and then a third of the men And you're already vastly outnumbered to say, we can't go on, we're too exhausted, we're going to wait here by this river. Um, I I don't know how I'd have handled it, but, but he carried on. At this point, I just want to pause. And I want to state an obvious thing. David strengthened himself in God. It was his personal responsibility to do that. No one else could do it for him. And we also have both the opportunity and the responsibility to strengthen ourselves in God. We need to handle grief and emotions well. We need to give them space. We need to listen to what they're telling us about what we believe and all sorts of different things like that. But but then we need to strengthen ourselves in God. It won't be easy. It's something we've got to learn to do. We need to follow David's example. So how did he strengthen himself in God? Because as I say, in the passage, it doesn't exactly tell us. But let me, let me take an educated guess from what we know of David's life, and hopefully this will be a blessing to you. There's two parts to it. The first bit is that he knew God, and secondly, he knew the Psalms. Or actual fact, he, he wrote the Psalms, but it goes better if I say knowing God, knowing the Psalms. Firstly, David knew God, and, and we need to know God as well. We need to understand what our wonderful saviour, Jesus Christ, has done for us and and who we are as a result of his wonderful work on the cross and his resurrection. We need to take specific truth and, and, and really ground it into our lives so that when we're facing 
different situations and circumstances, the gospel is really making a difference on the inside. That, that doesn't just happen by mistake. That happens as we take specific pro uh, promises. Believe them, pray them, meditate on them, look at them, read them. I, I tell you, I'm just being honest, maybe I'm, 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 I'm weaker than most, but sometimes I've, I, I need Bible verses in my pocket every single day, the same one. Get it out day after day after day. Why? Because I'm reminding myself of, of what God has done for me, the promises in the word of God. I'm, I'm grabbing hold of them. I'm not letting go of them until what is up here and I understand in my head fills me as a person. It's a bit of a battle for faith. Take the specific truth of what God has done and apply it into my life. Jesus said this in John 8, 31, 32. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We, we love that second half of the verse, but the first half, if you hold... If you hold to my teaching, look, I'm holding, the, holding this microphone right now. So if Jeeves came to try and grab it off me, no, you're not having it because I'm, I'm preaching at the moment. I'm going to grab hold of it and, and hold on, even in the midst of maybe someone trying to take it from me. Do you hold on to the word of God like that? No. When anxiety sweeps in and wants to take away the promises of God, you say, no, I'm holding on to it. Maybe where self-pity sweeps in and, and tries to take away the promises of God. No, no, I'm standing on these promises. I'm grabbing hold of them. A friend of mine, Angela Kem, says, we've, we've got to know these things in our knower. You know, re I really know them in my knower. It's sort of something, you know, go, going those, what is it, the, the sort of, uh, how many inches is that? About, I don't know, 12 inches from my head to my heart. I, I, I know. So, so when these things come in, it's impacted my life. It's not a quick fix. It takes work. But secondly, if we look at the Psalms, knowing the Psalms, we know that David knew God when we read the Psalms. In, in writing the Psalms, we can see that he'd strengthened himself in God probably numerous times before. And so when this rushed in, he was, he was able to do it. Now, we don't all need to become songwriters, although maybe some of you on this call right now should be writing songs. You know, you, you've got to write songs that the congregation can sing that reflect something of what's going on within Hope Church. Maybe that's the case, but I'll, I'll leave that, that with you. But what do we find in the Psalms? We find, we find laments. A lot of the Psalms are laments. They're, they're, they're grieving um, over circumstances or they're grieving over sin or they're grieving over certain situations. So that's all right. That's fine for us to lament before God. But, but they're also full of rejoicing. They're, they're full of declarations of truth. Although this is the situation, yet I will hope in God. It's as though he's speaking to his own soul. I'm speaking truth to myself. There's the Psalms of repentance. For some of you, you're struggling. Most of you, this won't be the case, but maybe one or two. Some of you are struggling maybe with mental health things because you need to repent of some stuff. The circumstances... Are, are, are something that you've brought on yourself and need, you need to close a door that, that's, that's been opened. Most of you, that will not be the case. It's a vast majority. But, but for some of you, you've got to turn away from that. Or for some of you, you may have lingered too long in negative emotion. might even have turned to a bit of self-pity. You need to repent from that. You need to turn to God. 
Psalms full of thanksgiving. I mean, the, the epistles, the bit in the New Testament, are full of thanksgiving. They're amazing. Read, read um, Philippians, a letter in the New Testament. Paul is going through really difficult circumstances. It's full of rejoicing and thanksgiving. That's, that's what the gospel allows us to do. They're full of prayers. It says in Proverbs 18, verse 21, this is in, from the message, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. And you'll notice from the Psalms, laments, rejoicing, declaring the truth, repentance, thanksgiving, prayer, all of them are things we speak out. And these words have the opportunity of bringing life or poison, both to our own soul, but also to those around us. You choose. I think we can see in the Psalms that David had a habit of strengthening himself in God. He, he didn't deny his emotions. He gave them an appropriate place, but then he processed them with God. So that when a time of crisis came, he had good foundations. That's where Jesus talks about building your life on a rock. You build your life on a rock so that when the storm comes, it might still be a struggle. Some bricks might get a bit loose. The, you know, the gut ring might blow off, but the house stands firm because in the good times, You've learned how to strengthen yourself in God. So as we finish, we find that David strengthened himself in God. No. We find that David's strength in God did not return on the back of good circumstances. He found strength in God in the midst of difficult circumstances. I'll say that again. David's strength in God did not return on the back of good circumstances, a change, it came still in the midst of difficult circumstances. And I just want to encourage you, you know, we're, we're coming possibly to the end of lockdown and this COVID crisis. And I know I'm, I'm with you. I'm praying that the, the restrictions ease, we can get back to being together. But maybe even during this preach, God is whispering right into you right now. He's prompting you. Maybe there's some stuff you need to deal with in the midst of this crisis. You need to turn a corner internally. God wants to change, grow, strengthen you as you respond, as you step in with him. You need, but you need to give him space, even in the midst of these difficult circumstances. In this process, he must have walked through grief, anxiety, maybe disappointment. How about yourself? I wondered in the worship, actually, I felt this word brokenheartedness come, come to me. And I wonder if there might be one person on the call or a couple of people on the call. And, and you, you describe yourself as just being brokenhearted at the moment. And you're thinking, how, how can, can this even possibly be relevant to me? I'm too far gone for that. No, you're not. You're not too far gone. It says that God comes near the brokenhearted. He says he doesn't break a bruised reed in Isaiah. He comes, he comes close to bring strength. And I really believe that, that he wants to do that even right now. Like I say, for others of you, maybe anxiety or fear. Maybe, maybe self-pity. It's an opportunity for us to deal with these things. God is calling us not, not to be detached from our emotions, but in the midst of difficult situations, to be a people of hope.
that can offer hope to those that have none at all. Just as I close, let me finish with 1 John 3 verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Lord, I thank you for your incredible love that you have given to us. I thank you you haven't left us as orphans, but you've adopted us as your children. And I pray that you would come ever so close right now to your children in whatever situation, whatever circumstance they're in. And I pray that they would know your love. They would know your closeness. They would know your support at this time. I pray for seeds of faith to be planted that maybe, maybe for some on this call right now, for the first time, maybe in a number of weeks or a number of months, have some seeds of faith, seeds of hope, actually, that God can change my internal world, even if my external circumstances don't change in the near future. I ask for that in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.